What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. For the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50. 40. To the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. Let's go. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. That's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Now? Yeah, I am good. You notice how I'm keeping my voice very even keel. I know. You're like Mr. Smooth. Well, the point is we were trying not to get too down after that. New Orleans game, so we can't get too hyped up. Oh, you're staying consistent. Yes. No, so. no peaks and valleys, no roller coaster. Either. I like it. Never get too high, never get too low. Well, and, and also just the general idea that um, if we are going to say that that New Orleans loss isn't going to define the season, we can't then claim that a, a big win means we're the best team around, right? Correct. I like this tweet I saw from Trevor Sycamore. You know who that is, right? I do, and I, I saw it myself. I thought it was very, very funny. Okay, Go ahead, I'll read let it. everybody. Week read one. Go ahead. It, it, he says, Bucks hyperbolic season reactions. Week one, team's trash. Week two, team's good. Week three, playoff bound. Week four, too close. Frauds. That was after the Chargers game. Yep. Week five, team will never be good. That was after the <laughs> Chicago game. Week six, best team in the NFL. That was after the Green Bay game. Week seven, best team in NFL history. <laughs> Week eight, should have lost frauds. That would be the Giants game. Week nine, blow it all up. Yep. That would be the um, Saints game. The Saints game. And then yep. week 10, best offense in football. Ever. <laughs> and he's he's making the same point we are. He calls them hyperbolic reactions. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, you, how are you going to feel? How did you feel three weeks ago? How are you going to feel three weeks from now? Well, we taught, you know, how you play one week doesn't dictate how you're going to play the next week. It's crazy. But you start to build a body of, of work, mm-hmm. and um, you can average it all out. I mean, it does say something that the Buccaneers are seventh in the league in scoring offense and eighth in scoring defense. I mean, I'd like yeah. to be that. Yes. If you know nothing else but than that, that sounds like a winning team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had the big – we were a lot better in scoring before we the, the Saints game. That one kind of killed I, a lot of stats a little bit. I think I think it's more palatable if you didn't lose two games to the Saints. We just, you know, <sighs> it's the it's the dreaded Saints. You know, there's a there's a rivalry there. You maybe know? It, maybe we don't be- like each other. Maybe it'll be the uh, like the 2002 Super Bowl season when we only lost four games, but two of them were to the Saints. Oh, very good. That was weird, though, because yeah. they weren't that great of a team then. This year, no. losing two games to them is worse because it's helping them beat us in the division yeah. standings. Well, yeah. Yeah. But still, it's always nice when you can compare something to the Super Bowl season. Mm-hmm. So That's good. But, yes, a very, 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 very fun game. Did you know that we had a wide receiver get a sack in that game? I did see that. That's rare, it's, to say the least. How often has it happened in the NFL? I, I don't ask. know about across the NFL. Uh-huh. I can just tell you that an offensive player has never had a sack for the Buccaneers before. Mm. We've had some players that switch from one side to the other, like Charlie Hanna had some sacks and then uh-huh. switched offense, but that's not really the same thing. A player who in that game was an offensive player getting a sack had never happened before. That's kind of cool. Yep. To, and anybody who doesn't know what that is, that's Justin Watson. The Panthers tried to run a fake punt, which you can question the wisdom of considering they ran a fake punt against us in week two mm-hmm. and have done it in like four games this year. I mean, that's why you don't do it very often because then the teams but, are on alert. Yeah, but the thing is they've been successful more than they haven't. Well, this one was not. Yes. Because <laughs> well, the Buccaneers were ready for it. That's it. And it was supposed to be the punter throwing the ball and probably um, – 
it probably is they're they're hoping the 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 blockers bail out and the guy that's the gun over there is just becomes a receiver, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bucks snipped it out right away. I don't know who was covering the guy he wanted to throw to, so I can't give you. Do you know that? Uh uh-uh. uh But Watson ended up making the play because the punter Joseph Charlton turns the throw. Sees he can't do that. <laughs> yeah. That'd just be a pick. So he tries to run it, which is all he can really do. It's too late to try to punt it because it would be easily blocked. And he's he's tackled five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So I am kind of impressed by the Panthers' scorekeeping crew here uh-huh. because that's some elite level scorekeeping to recognize that that's a sack. Yeah, because for a play to be um, recorded as a sack, the scorekeepers have to know that it was a passing play. Right. You know you can look to pass, and then start to scramble and get stopped behind the line of scrimmage, they know that started as a passing play, so they still call it a sack. They had to they had to recognize and think about the fact that, yeah, he he was supposed to pass in that play and only ran because he couldn't. So it was a passing play, therefore it's a sack. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even until later. I'm looking, I was writing about it, I'm like, okay, we got three sacks. I know Shaq had one and, and JP who had, had the one. Other who was one? the other right, one? It's like right. Justin Watson? Yeah. So I, I'm uh, kudos to the Carolina Panthers – Scorekeeping crew. Yeah, they're on it. Not much else went well for the Panthers that day. No. After no. the first quarter. I, I think, though, is like you were saying, you know, you do it so many times, everybody knows it was coming. And, and we were even, a, we were on, we were waiting for it. I mean, that was something we discussed, we being the broadcast team. Oh, did pre- you? Previously, that keep, just remember that when Carolina's doing special teams, they do a lot of craziness. So don't, don't be putting your head down. Don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, because if someone's going to punt or something, a lot yeah. of times you're saying, wow, so-and-so, and you're, you know, you're looking at a stat yeah. or, or, you know, you're putting your head down to look at something yep. else, getting ready. Um, I still so, don't yeah. think it was a good idea to try it a second time and get the no, same team. Well, well, I mean, because they we did later it, they did it against Kansas City and they were able to end up with a touchdown. Well, with they it, did so. it against us and succeeded the yeah. first time. Um, so. It was a different sort of play, but sure. Um, I, you know, we subsequently find out that because they've been doing this so much, our special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulled up a whole bunch of different types of fake punts to yeah. show his guys, and I then they practiced I, against him, yeah. <laughs> so they were ready. I also thought Keith Tandy was involved. In no, I, did you think that because of my tweet? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I messed up. Okay. Um, Bruce Arians was just saying, he said Keith pulled, went through the archives and pulled oh, a bunch of fake punts. You were thinking. He didn't say the last name, and oh. for some reason, instead of Armstrong, my mind went straight to Keith Tandy. Oh, yeah. And I tweeted that, and then Greg Allman of The Athletic was kind enough to message me on Twitter and say, are you sure he wasn't talking about Keith Armstrong? And so and you're like, oh, do obviously. And so I, I tweeted out. A I know why. You, yeah, if you say correction. yes, yeah, I, that I, that's a reasonable mistake. And he is an assistant special teams coach, so there's that's a what I was, he was involved in it. But I'm pretty sure he meant Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yes. But I'd say it was both of them. They're probably together. Everybody, involved. everybody, everybody involved. The fact everybody that involved. they knew and yeah, special teams play was pretty good. Um, very solid. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. and Bruce keeps saying that, but he said other than the 98-yard kickoff return, it's hard to well, just, it's hard to just say. Well, other than yeah. that, also we had a don't forget we had a punt, uh, yeah. an extra point blocked. Right. Well, the 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 good thing was Ryan Sucker. The, the problem, the the execution didn't work on the on. Yeah, that's true. The, because they had a chance to make the tackle. Right. They didn't. It, they were there. They they were the formation was correct. Right. They called the play right. It just didn't. Somebody didn't make a tackle. As, as Tony Dungy would say, you have to execute right. the play. But either, either way, whether it's execution yeah. or bad, bad sure. play calling, it, it didn't all work out. I will say that Ryan Suckup uh, was great again mm-hmm. and just just completely um, and I guess it was reliable at this point. From it, 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 it appeared to be very, very windy, but I guess in that stadium, the wind was re- really kind of crazy, more so mm-hmm. than 
than we had thought because uh, B.A. made a comment during his radio show that a couple of balls that uh, Tom Brady threw got caught up in the in that, right? that, that went long because of because they felt because of that. Which well, I wonder I, if it was going in one direction. I don't know. That's you know most of the stadiums. That's an enclosed stadium, but you, you know you we get like there. here at at Raymond James Stadium, you get those swirling winds. Right. It, you know you look at the flag; it's going one yeah. way, and the goalpost flags are going another. I don't know. So, I don't know. I will say that um, Bradley Pinion didn't have a single punt shorter than ninety nine yards. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Uh, he didn't punt at all. That's what you, exactly. I just paused for a second. Wait a minute. I don't remember him punting. He had the best day ever. He yeah, didn't he, even have to. He kicked off. You know. Uh, oh, he did kick off. Well, he probably didn't even have to have his uniform clean that <laughs> that game, which is a good thing. If no you, punts. If you, if you don't need your punter, that's a positive. Well, any anytime you don't punt an entire game, you probably have won. We hadn't done that for an entire game since the 2000 season, uh-huh. and it went over Minnesota. Wow. So it was. It was a fumble, unfortunately, by Ronald Jones, and we're going to get to that, of course, and all his exploits. Sure. And then nine straight scoring drives, nine straight scoring drives, and then a kneel down. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think I don't remember nine straight scoring. No. Drives. no. The only the only blemish was not as good as usual in the red zone. You know, settled mm-hmm. for field goals on four of eight trips in the red zone, which is not – we've been better than that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that you can put 40-plus points on a team and the head coach goes, we should have put 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you Because think, there were some big plays yeah, up well, there. Well, that's what I'm saying. No matter how well you do, coaches, yeah, coaches look at it and go, yeah, but there's still – Yeah, but there's yeah. a fallacy in the logic there. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we missed some big plays, but since we scored on nine, nine of the 11 drives and the first drive – was just two plays, and there's no missed plays there. Even though we missed big plays, we still went on to score. So you you would be just yeah. replacing one score with another. I see what you're saying. Maybe replacing a field goal with a touchdown in a couple of situations. But, uh, you know, we, we still rolled up 544 yards. I, I, the, the other <laughs> aspect of this game that, that I totally appreciate from the coaching staff and from the players is you had your butt handed to you the week before. And this was a big game, and you it know, felt like a it, big game. It, didn't it felt like a really big game, and I I truly believe you won against a team that you should have because they're a new developing team. They're a young team. I like their offense. I do like their, their offense defense too. Is a little more bit of a yeah. work in progress. But the fact that you had your butt kicked, then you had a, a hurricane scare, but still we had tornadoes and the schedule got all changed. Then. The only time this year I'm glad I didn't travel exactly. and I'm going to share, you know, the behind the curtain, so to speak. You texted me and said, I'm glad we're not, I'm yeah, not traveling. This is the first time I've and, this And way. if you did know, it was because the um, – Everybody knows this by now, I think. You would think? Maybe not. Maybe not. If but you're go in, ahead. Not if you're in Brazil, you may not okay. know. Um, <laughs> the, or Australia. Yes. See, you may not have picked up on it just yet. Uh, the charter had some issues, and they didn't take off for almost six and a half, seven hours of uh, when they were supposed to. But uh, apparently, they walked into the hotel at about twelve thirty. Yeah, at night. Yeah, not in the afternoon. Nope, nope. Got in, went to bed, got up, but they played well. So I'm thinking on Sunday night, we're parking them in an airplane, like BA said. Whatever. Let them sit there for seven hours and say, "Okay, game time." I think you'd have a mutiny on your hands. Yeah. Wow. That's that's hard. It was a nice bounce back. And the Bucks have won by double digits after each of their losses this season. That is something else. They have not lost two in a row, and good teams don't lose two in a row. Even if you don't like 
Even if you don't want to give Carolina credit, I actually think they're pretty decent. They're I better, do too. They're better than their three and seven. Much record. better. They have some defensive issues to figure out. Um, hey, they gave Kansas City a scare. That's right. All the way to the end, but gave up thirty-three points. Mm. So I they, think their offense is ahead of their defense. But even if you don't want to give us a ton of credit for for two of those bounce back wins because they were against Carolina, mm-hmm. the other one was the Green Bay game, which yeah. is clearly yeah. the best game of the year for us. To- all the way across the board. I would say probably Green Bay was the best. Maybe Las Vegas was the second best, and then probably this game. Mm-hmm. And Vegas is Vegas is a good team. They're they're on fire right now. They're either now. seven and three or six and three at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, they beat Kansas City. They're the only team that's beaten Kansas City in more in like more than a calendar year. Yeah, like fifteen games. Well, I think it's more than that, yeah. especially if you had in playoffs. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Uh, that would be nice mm. to be on a roll like that. Well, we're going to find out about Kansas City in a few weeks. I want to talk about Mike Evans' touchdown Go catch. Go ahead. I'll talk be- about it. Because when you saw that thing, when happened, it looked like the typical Mike extends, taps the toes, gets, stays in bounds. We've seen it a million times. And then you see it in slow motion, and you realize the level of difficulty to complete that catch was incredible. Right. Not First, only to catch it, but to get your yeah. feet down. It didn't look like it was that hard to catch it, but it was high and a hard pass. And he, he basically grabbed it with his fingertips. Mm-hmm. So he's holding it with his fingertips, trying to pull it in a little bit more. And then the defender gets his arm up in between. Jeff can see what I'm doing, but you guys sure. Up between his Put inside, your arms up in his the arms. air and then take one arm and put it under before <laughs> Be- the other, between, over, under. Between his arms and, and his face mask. So the hand's in there trying to bat the ball away. Mm-hmm. Mike somehow holds on to it without it moving at all and gets the feet down and he's the, the hand is smacking him in the head and, uh, you know, to, to concentrate on this and also concentrate on getting your toes down to do all of that and, and hang on to that pass, watch it in slow motion if you can find Look, it. It is it, remarkable. Yeah, all in a split second. It's, it's, it is. It is the kind of play that Mike Evans's talents make possible that a lot of people just simply couldn't have done. You know, mm-hmm. his height, his jumping ability, his hands, his strength. He's got a combination of skills that not a lot of people have. Right, and I think it goes because we're so used to seeing it you're, he makes plays all the time, and you're kind of like, yeah, okay. But this Carolina play, totally agree with you. That was phenomenal. And um, he should have had a couple pass interference calls, because That's not not on him, case. but yeah. they were they were they, all over that, him. That, I think it was Russell Douglas. That yeah. quarterback was complaining was to the to, ref after every yeah, play. Yeah, it got to the point where it was like, come on, man. Get, They're hand fighting. They're hand fighting three or four yards in the route on every play, and then Mike is trying to disengage and run mm. his dang route. Yeah. I think that had I think that had a lot to do with the 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 missed touchdown pass where it looked like he and Brady were not on the same page. Yeah, and after a while, if you complain that much, then you're yeah. losing credibility. It ain't helping. And it's not going to help your. And he cause. didn't get any. He no. didn't get any OPIs. No, and um, I don't know, but. Did Tom seem to have a little more zip on the ball? He was throwing it hard a few now, times. Now, I wonder if that was because of the win. If Maybe he so. felt that yeah. he needed – but he, he had a lot of zip on it. Some, some Somebody I was listening to either on TV or, or somewhere was saying – was talking about that. And, like, I think he tried to hit a Tyler Johnson on a touchdown mm-hmm. pass. But it was really hard, thrown very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the announcers were saying um, – you know, you got to take a little bit off of it, Tom. And, and then they yeah. went on to say that they thought that Tom had broken so, uh, Chris Godwin's yeah. finger in the Las Vegas game. That's not the case. No, Chris Godwin is. It looked like I, I had already guessed this, and I have a witness who will say who, who can back me up that when you watch that replay, you see him make the catch, and then he puts a hand down, just trying to make sure he's definitely in bounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wonder if that's where he broke his finger. Uh, see, that's where I thought, and he, he did. It is. He, I, he later because, clarified. Yeah, where he came yeah. down on his it. His fingers are kind of stretched mm-hmm. out straight. Yep. 
the fact that the fact that Chris Godwin is playing with pins in his finger and which, catching everything and catching everything does you know, look like he's using his body a little bit more out of necessity. Sure, whatever it takes, right? Yep. But geez, man, that's still you know. Anytime you have surgery, it's sore. It's going to be sore, oh, and he's still playing through it. I wouldn't want to do that. No, no, not at all. He's got. He has. I don't know if maybe they got him out by now, but he's got pins in there too. And he's yeah. wearing the splint. Sure. And, I mean, it's just nothing slows this guy down. Getting it done. Uh, it was a big week for scoreboard watching. Because and what, uh, usually when I say that, you would think I mean you're watching the scores to see how the play other t- playoff contenders are doing. But what I'm actually referring to is a couple moments in the NFL this week, one in our game, where the players – it was interesting the way the players were using the video board. And one of them was Ronald Jones. Yes. <laughs> On his 98-yard touchdown run that is the longest offensive play in team history, tied with Shelton Quarles' interception for the longest touchdown of any kind in team history, one of only four runs of 98 or 99 yards in mm-hmm. NFL history, yeah, uh-huh. all part of a 192-yard day where he averaged like 8.4 yards per carry. Couldn't which, be happier for a guy. And uh, and all that and, and on that run, so he breaks free, and he's obviously got speed. This is the kind of plays he made a lot at USC, which is why when he was drafted, we were all talking about him being a big play complement to the guy we had at the time, Peyton Barber, who was more of a mm-hmm. you know pl- plot, sure. plotter. Um, and, and really, we haven't seen a ton of those. But we saw him getting out in the open field, and they couldn't catch him. But he was—he was—he didn't know who it was, but it was safety Jeremy Chin was closing. Who's really fast? He's yeah, he's very and very good. He's a good young player. Um, Was maybe closing to this just a little bit. He eventually tried to make a dive to clip his heels and didn't get it. But it looked like it at the time, and he confirmed that he was watching the video (laughs) board on that side to see how the play was unfolding. And he saw where the guys were behind him, and he kind of, like, changed his angle yeah. just a little bit, which is pretty funny. Well, which it, the guy that started doing that was Chris Carter in Minnesota because they were one of the first to have boards like that. Hmm. And he would he, he started doing that. Good piece of info. Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. When assume, yeah, it was pretty uh, – which, which when you think about it, um, you know, you're in the middle of the game and you're running and you go – and you have the fortitude to go, oh – let me look up at the video board and yeah. see where we're at. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Because you don't really get wide open breakaways like that very often. No. So it's not like you've had and, time to practice. And it. the other thing is when you, uh, you know, almost everybody has at least put a football helmet on. I'm not saying you played the game, but somewhere down the line, you put a football helmet on. And really, there it's the field of vision. It's very, field of vision. You don't know what's behind you. Yeah, well done. And, but I mean, you don't even, I, I don't know. It was, it was pretty fantastic. It was very exciting. The other one. It couldn't have come at a better time either. I mean, it just was like. A, it was just, a close game that it kind of just took the lid off it. And then it was, we just it. rolled from yep. that point on. Changed it. And we'll get back a little more to Ronald Jones mm-hmm. and the redemption and all that. But the other scoreboard moment that I found very entertaining. Uh, did you see the. Um, I'm sure you've seen replays of the Hail Mary in Arizona. Yes. That unbelievable play. Mm-hmm. Um, what was crazy about it is I saw the play before where Buffalo, where that seemed like it would be made it. a catch. Yeah. Well, there's 34 seconds left. Yeah. He makes the makes a diving catch in the end zone. Um, Stephon Diggs. Diggs, right? And and that was a big deal because they brought him in as a free agent. So no, that was traded, or, traded him. Okay, and that was a big big deal. So he he proved his worth there. So you're thinking, wow, that's it. And, yeah. And well, yes. 34 seconds. So to to. Finish that thought off. The Bills traded for him and had to give up a first-round pick, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's proved well worth it. I believe he's the NFL's leading receiver. Um, but the te- uh, not the Texans. The Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins uh-huh. 
but didn't have to give up anything near a first-round pick mm-hmm. in a deal that people are still – were shaking their heads at the moment they heard about it and are still shaking their heads, and the guy who pulled the trigger on that deal is no longer with the Texans, right. which could be part of the reason Wonder why. <laughs> they got – I think they got a second round, and David Johnson, who's been hurt uh-huh. like usual, and um, I think they gave a fourth-round pick back too. So uh, it was a head-scratching deal, clearly obviously motivated by the fact that they wanted to get something for him because they weren't going to pay him. Yeah. But they should have paid him because he's fantastic. And so he comes back and trumps the Diggs play with the one of his own. And everybody's probably seen that by now. But the part I found very entertaining about it was Kyler makes the throw. And in the process, in the players around him, he ends up facing the other direction. So he said when he let it go, he thought he had, that Hop actually had a chance to uh-huh. catch it. And he gets turned around and he's watching the play on the video board <laughs> On the far end with his back to the play actually happening. It was really and, funny. And have you ever been to that stadium? They've got huge, video, really great size video boards on each side, uh, each end zone. Up, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the name of that. It used to be. It used to be. I mean. It, it they, used to be. It's University of Phoenix Stadium. No, it's not. It's changed. It's not that anymore? No, no. Oh. It's something else now. Hmm. It can, looks like a spaceship. It's out, yeah. It's out yeah. in Glendale. Sure. Well, there's start, things are starting. The the. the the population is moving out to Glendale. Now. Yeah. At oh. one time, you'd be in a bus and you'd go, where are we? You're in the middle of the freaking desert. And then all, <laughs> all of a sudden, you'd see a stadium. Yeah. But they usually don't build stadiums in, in you know. Right in the middle of a, well, unless it's London. Well, there's that, right? Tottenham. Tottenham. I think the stadium was there before the, t- the town was, though. They grew up around the stadium? I think so. I think so. Well, that could, could be what ends up happening in Glendale. Sure. And then we didn't get to go see the stadium. Uh, we haven't been able to go to L.A. yet to, for the no. new stadium. I'm looking forward to that if, so we, if we're traveling yes. again because apparently it's a beautiful thing. and Allegiant Stadium is is really very cool. Yeah, I and, was trying. I was trying to. I was reading about SoFi Stadium for something that I was writing, and uh, it says they call their scoreboard the Oculus, and it said it, said it was, described it as being ovular. What, is it, it oval shaped? Well, I think I think the best way to put it is like it, it, it reminds me of the kind of board that's in Atlanta, the ring. I don't like that one. I don't either. I think that's the worst of the new ones. Um, it is um, the only time it's really cool is when they have uh, the Mercedes race of the cars going around. Yeah, that's so the, the that's the, <laughs> that's well suited yeah. for that. I'm like, wow, that's good. I won't deny it. It sounded like a cool idea. But it, in practice, I, we're there, and I'm like, I don't really like that. No, I'm not a big, big, big fan of it. Um, but, you know, it's their stadium, so. So, um, yeah. We said we would get back to Ronald Jones, mm-hmm. and it was, it was a big redemption thing for him. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I believe there's at least one person, if not more, in the booth where we were following the game from who, after the fumble, said, well, Ronald Jones may be on the bench for the rest of this game. Yeah, we thought we kind of thought that, too. Oh, before we go any further, it's now State Farm. You, um, oh, thank you very much. There you go. State Farm. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. Yep. They're pretty good commercials. Yeah. Now every insurance company thinks their commercials have to be funny. Yeah. It has nothing hit and miss. It has nothing about, about a tragic event that happened to you. Now it's all ha-ha, <laughs> yeah, joke, joke. I've never had a good time calling an insurance guy. Maybe <laughs> maybe except unless I talk to Dave Moore. That's about the <laughs> That's only time right. I've had a good time. <laughs> he was joking about talking to some of his uh, uh, neighbors about flood insurance. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I said. I said, how has it been in, in – and he said, oh, I was just really busy. We've been crazy. And then I, I said, yeah, you're getting those calls. And it's that 
You know, what about flood insurance? Remember you were telling me how expensive <laughs> it was? <laughs> now you wish you'd paid for it. If uh, anybody doesn't know out there, as, Dave as, Moore is also an insurance mogul. Yeah, Dave, Dave Moore resources. But you know what's funny is he always says. That's a, we, that's a free plug right there. Yeah, we I get paid for that. Yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> he always says insurance isn't exciting, but it does pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> insurance is there. It needs to be there. Yep. Um, so what was I? You're talking about Ronald redemption. Jones and a redemption. We were wrong. We were wrong because mm-hmm. um, Bruce didn't specifically didn't want to. I don't know if you'd say punish uh, Ronald Jones for fumbling because, as we found out, when he fumbled in the Giants game, yeah, um, which did not prevent the Bucks from winning, but no, it, it, it didn't it, help. It seemed like he was out of the game for a while. Bruce mm-hmm. later explained it was just a normal rotation, but sure. it seemed like he was out of the game for a while. And Bruce now tells us that Ronald was really down after that fumble because he felt really bad because he felt like he hurt the team. And, of course, a fumble hurts the sure. team. But when you're playing football, you're occasionally not going to – you're going to make a mistake that hurts your team. Everybody's going to do it. But he felt very down about it, and Bruce didn't want that to happen again. And so he's like – he immediately told him, you're our guy. And he was right back out there. I was a little surprised. He was right back out mm-hmm. there. And, of course, it paid off in a big way that Bruce decided to do that. Talk about a confidence builder. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just you just got to – you just have to feel good for, for him. I just, he's yeah, yeah. Just I'm really happy. I mean, it, it, I think I think we're going to see more of those type of runs. Well, hopefully, you know, the 98 yard or not the one where. <laughs> well, that was actually that was actually on catch. To yeah. Be with you. So yeah, great great day for Ronald Jones. Mm-hmm. F- tied for the fifth most yards rushing yards for us in a game, and um, obviously the one play that and will go and, down in history. And and I still you know two things I it. Uh, you know, we everyone always talks about wide receivers, wide receivers, and and but I have to say, uh, you know, and they also talk about Gronk, but our tight ends played really well. Yeah. And, you know, Cam had a great catch uh, for a touchdown, got the ball in, had that third and nineteen play, yeah, that third and nineteen, that was so great. where he leaps yeah, over, you know, yeah. he knew where the first down marker so, was. Smart football. Well, we we were saying as that play was happening. Uh, I think we just need to get some yards so we can kick a field goal here. And it looked like that's what was happening when mm-hmm. Tom dumped it off maybe about nine yards out to the right. But then Cam just made up the rest of the yeah the yardage and, and that kept that drive alive, which was awesome. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Uh, Cam did a, a, a <coughs> co- press conference yesterday, and he was – you know, Cam's been around. I can't believe he's, he's in his eighth year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, where does the time go? That must include – some time spent on the practice squad. Yeah, probably. Because I don't think – that would mean that he's been here since 2013. I don't know. I, for some and reason – I thought it was more like 14, so maybe – Well, that, maybe. But either way, it's still – I mean, I, it just se- doesn't seem that that long. But but what I was going to say is he made a comment about how much fun it is winning. Yeah. You know, and you right. forget, you know, and then you think about guys like Levante David, who's been in the league nine years, and you get in this solid, you know – it, he's probably having fun. He's having fun. Yeah, sure. So, and, he, and, and as part of that quote, he also underscored something we've said on here a couple of times. You talk about a team that knows how to win or mm-hmm. has that winning edge. Sure. Um, but that does, doesn't just – you don't just magically have that. You get that from winning some games. Yes. Which is what Cam said. You start to win consistently – then you get that edge, and that helps you going forward. And that's hopefully where this team is getting right now, and it, where it has not been for a very long time. And and you still have to say Gronk 
every now and then still has it because that was an awesome that was, catch. That was and the, he broke the tackle, and I really thought he was going to score. That was his gronkiest moment yet yeah. as a Buccaneer. Yeah, that was strong. That's the kind of stuff when he was his prime that mm-hmm. you just loved about him. Yeah. That, he, that was a gronk play right yeah, there. Yeah, no question. No question. That that Did you know that that's the first time the Buccaneers have ever had more than 300 net passing yards and more than 200 rushing yards in the same game? No, I was sh- – I was, That's balance right I was, there. I was like – I saw it go over 500 yards. I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't even realize it until I got back here and was starting to do stat work. I'm like, we got 544 yards? I did turn around and you were gone. Is that what you did? You come back here? Yeah, so um, I don't know how much listeners are going to care about this, so I'll make it brief. But if the game, if it gets to a point in the in the fourth quarter, like halfway through, where I was pretty sure what the outcome sure. is and I can afford to miss – I mean, I could catch up on it when I get here, but I can miss a couple of minutes of action and nothing mm-hmm. drastic. And you listen change. to it on the radio as you drive over. That's a good idea. <laughs> I should have thought of that. <laughs> okay, we're going to try this again. This is this is how it worked. I'm going to say, but I listen to it on the radio oh, as I drive home. But I listen over. to it on the radio as I drive home. <laughs> I mean, not home. I come over here. Yes. So it's only like a three-minute drive. But it's three minutes of action on the radio. But then it's also running up the stairs and <laughs> absolutely getting pri- my office. Absolutely <laughs> priceless. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> so if you're in the Tampa Bay area and you can't be around a TV, yes, you can listen to Bucks Radio. <laughs> and you can also listen to it on the app. Yeah. It's a miracle. Those are two good ideas. <laughs> two good ideas. I could be listening to it on my phone as I'm walking down from Look the at you picking up on this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we we don't go on another road trip for like a month, so I, I hope I remember all of this then. But uh, so anyway, but you come back here because you have a couple of screens. I have, and, I have multiple screens, yeah. and and it's just easier to finish writing the story, listen to the press conference, tweet about the things that are being said, transcribe quotes. Sure. So I'm not around a lot of people. Yeah, it it, it only works if the game's. Close. Uh, out of hand uh, yeah, because if it's close, you're kind of stuck. If it's close, I'm stuck. Yeah. And I was been stuck the last couple of times. I yeah, because went out into the lobby. Sure. Um, All right. Interesting facts. <laughs> uh, uh, what else you got? <laughs> well, well, the funniest thing I've heard, the funniest thing I've heard in all the Zoom calls since that game was um, everybody's talking about the effects or, or, as it turned out, non-effects of that seven-hour layover. Uh-huh. And Tristan Wirfs said for the first couple hours of the delay, he thought they were already in the yeah. air. <laughs> Like Mike Edwards or Mike Mike um, Evans said that uh, he fell asleep and woke up and thought they were oh landed. we're in there we're in the air you know, this, <laughs> or landed yeah, already you know yeah there's nothing worse than that so t- neither neither of these neither, we're not calling either of these guys dumb they no. just were, Tristan they're both very smart guys from what I can tell Tristan just started watching a movie he had earbuds sure. and wasn't paying anything attention no. to anything else and just thought and I guess it sounds to the way he said it like they started to move mm-hmm. like they started to go out and take yeah. off before they come back right. so uh, he just. Assume they had taken off. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a terrible feeling. Oh, I, well, we must be close to getting there. I don't recall having issues leaving. That's Bruce said the same thing. But I do recall, you know, after games are over with, I, I, I you know, numerous times we've been delayed for various reasons, which probably feels worse because you're already really tired from the yeah. end of that day. But is is definitely better than being delayed before and, your game. And when people go, is you know, it's a charter plane, and it's it's and what happens is. You know, everybody goes, well, just go get another plane. Well, it's not so much a getting another plane. It's getting another crew. Because if if you have to bring a plane in from somewhere else, okay, 
then that plane has to be flown in. Then those pilots have to have enough time to be able to go where you want to go. So it's very complicated. It's just not a matter of clicking. You got to find a new crew to fly in. Yeah, it's it's a how hard. Come there isn't, how come a new plane always has to be flown in? How come there isn't one available? In well, the because you're at? because now planes are moving around so much that they don't they don't park. Probably because it. Well, I mean, I'm gonna say it was a Delta plane. Uh, it pro because uh, Atlanta is Delta's hub, so they probably have some planes sitting there. But airlines, do, you know, don't make money if planes are just sitting. Yeah, so, but I would think during this pandemic, there's a lot less air travel. Yeah, but then the planes aren't ready to go fly because you have to still gas it up. You still, yeah. uh, you know. No, I understand why. Yeah. I just wonder a lot why. I just wonder why there's never already a plane at the. They're at probably the, the guy that aged 15, 20 years is the uh, director of Tim Duraki. It's not like yeah. it's his fault. Yeah, yeah no, but you still you're yeah, feeling yeah, the pressure. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you like you're like what? I, I you know, I'm not flying. Trying, this to, thing. trying yeah. to get updates. Yeah, I yeah. It's a hard. Go I didn't even text him because I knew it was so crazy. <laughs> he didn't need that. You know, like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. All right. What else you got? Um. So I saw an article somebody talking about how Antonio Brown Browns. I always want to say Antonio Bryant. Yes, because we had and Antonio. he had one really good mm -hmm. year. Um. His he had thirty nine snaps in his first or something like that in his first game with right. the Bucks, but that was out of like fifty plays. He had 39 snaps again this week, but that was out of like 80 plays. Yeah, crazy, huh? But his production was very good. Mm -hmm. And I think what it was in in that Saints game, as it was getting out of hand, if you look at it, we were in three and four receiver sets for all but like six snaps on offense. Right. Uh, in this case, we clearly came in with the plan, and, and Cam was talking about this a little bit, to do a little bit more two tight end stuff and uh, mix it up more. And, and try to get the running game going. Yeah. And they did, and it worked. And so the snaps in that game, uh, this is out of 70, 77 snaps. Chris Godwin, who we were just talking about, is sure. always the guy that plays the most because he's involved in everything, including run blocking. Mm -hmm. 72 plays. Uh, Rob Gronkowski played 65 plays, and Mike Evans played 64 plays. So that's – Still the base of your defense. And then Cam Bray played 29, and Anthony O'Claire played 25, and Tanner Hudson, those are all tight ends, played seven. So that's a lot of snaps uh, with another tight end on the field. And then um, A.B. played 39. So when we were going three wide, it was most commonly A.B. joining uh, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. You know, Scott, Scotty Miller got nine snaps, T.J. or Tyler Johnson got seven, and mm -hmm. Justin Watson got four. So it was a lot of – it was almost a direct split 50-50 uh, between 12 personnel and I'm trying to make sure and 11 personnel. So two tight ends or three receivers. Okay. Which is we've usually been kind of weighted one way or another. We really and we had 80 plays to work with or 77, so it was pretty it was pretty close to what, right down the middle. What's normally the average? 60 some offensive plays in a game? Yeah, six, six, 65 I think. Yeah. So we were way below against New Orleans and, and, and well above. Well, it. Yeah. Which happens when you convert ten of sixteen third downs and, and have nine straight scoring right. drives. Crazy, you got a lot of plays. So, I think that's more what uh, ideally we want this offense to look like. Sure, not really totally dependent on three and four receiver sets. Not really totally dependent on two tight end sets, but kind of using them half and half, and, and that way you get the running game going better and you have more balance. And there, are, not everybody agrees, but Bruce Arians is clearly somebody who believes that running the football does help your play action. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what that offense is what they want it to look like right there. You know, Carolina's defense is not one of the league's best, so you can't just – we're paying a much 
Did you much better defense? Do you realize how good the Rams' defense is this year? Yeah, they've given up, I think, three points in the second half all year or something. What? Some, some, yes, it's crazy. You don't score on them in the second half. Oh, I got to look that up. It's 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 a crazy thing. It is like, I don't know. It, 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 it made me stop when I saw it. And I want to say it. Yeah, that's a better stat than anything I had. Yeah. I, I got to look that up. Okay. Even if it's, that's not exactly accurate, it's, it's yeah, probably something It's, it's something like that. Like, you just don't – if you're going to score on them, you got to get them early because they just they just shut yeah. you down. They are one of the top scoring they're, – they're in the top ten in just about every offensive category you can think of. And they have a lot of new players on, on the defensive side. That's not actually totally true. No, I thought I thought it was. I Leonard, Floyd, Leonard Floyd is basically the only real new player. There might be some new guys starting because, okay. like, Corey Littleton left. All right. Um, but they they got Jalen Ramsey last year. Okay, maybe it's because they're starting. That's what I should say. They got Jalen – I think – And a new defensive Darius, coordinator. Darius Williams is maybe new – and yeah, they got a new defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Darius Williams is is, an, is the other corner now, and he's having a very good season. And, of course, it all starts up front with Aaron Donald. And, I, and, and now you're right because I was looking at a flip card and – looking at new players, and it wasn't. It's just people who were on the team that are now starting. Yeah, because they correct. lost some people. Yes, they that, lost Corey that, Littleton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They let um, – I can't think of his name. The edge rusher they had last year, they let him go. I think he went to the um, Falcons. Yeah. And then they replaced him with Leonard Floyd, um, who's having, yeah, that's, who's having this, his best this year. This is a big game because it's an NFC game, and, and this, this game has yeah, – They're just very they, stingy, that defense. Yeah, well, this game – can dictate a lot at the end of the year. That's true. Of who makes it and who doesn't because, you well, know, it's an NFC West yeah. team. And our conference record right now is only four and three because mm-hmm. we have three of our wins are against AFC West yeah. teams. So yeah. th- it's funny because even though it's a hugely anticipated game and important in its own right, probably the Kansas City game is the least important game left on our schedule. And that's because it's an AFC yeah, game. I mean, we, yeah. need, we need to help sure. in the tiebreakers in the conference in the mm-hmm. division. Do you know what's going to happen on Monday night for the first time in NFL history? Make it, you're really thinking on this one. You'll never. Is, I don't have a chance. Well, you might, but I don't. Is know. it something specific to the Rams and the Buccaneers? Uh, no. Is it a quarterback going against a no, head coach? No, it is nothing now? to do with the players. It's nothing to do with the players. Uh, does that have anything to do with Sean McVay? Nope. What else, who else is on the field besides players? Um, oh yeah, the the all the all African American um, officiating crew. Yep, led by Jerome Bogart. I knew you were going to say that. I, I when I saw that, I I knew you were going to get excited about that. For whatever reason, we don't have a lot of success. At that, that being time. said, but that being said, it we, just Jerome Bogart was the referee for our Green Bay game. Mm-hmm. He was. That's so right. Maybe I told are you. Around. I told you about that story when when I met him. Yeah, um, he was actually an official in the European League, and we were, um, I think, I want to say it was either Spain or Italy, flying back, and he sat behind us, Okay, and I struck up a conversation with him, and it was pretty interesting, you know, yeah, he had, nice and he wasn't in the NFL, he wasn't an official in the NFL just yet. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long been time in the ago. NFL for like 19 years. Yeah, yeah, so I have a little little fondness for him. Well, I have more fondness for him after that last game. I think that was the game we didn't have any penalties. Right, to. that's I correct. Mean, could have, I could have bet a lot of money on that. that not happen. Yeah, but but that is pretty exciting. That, but but the only thing because it's a uh, this crew has never been together. I I don't. Uh, it's very exciting that this is happening. You know, mm-hmm. because it's history. But it makes me go. 
are they used to working with each other? Because most crews usually stay yeah, together. Yeah, somebody had to be replaced, right? Yeah. Is that- I, I would think. I don't, I'm not really sure. But we're seeing some of these guys more often because yes. they're keeping them in regional specific well, regions. Well, that might be the reason why. That might be the that might be the the reason for it. Whoa. Whoa. Audio issues. How Whoa. about that? That's better. Okay. Um the uh that might be what it is because they are keeping guys regional yeah. and people But I regional. still think yeah. you're well, maybe you I don't know. I don't know. Any case, that's yep. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, do you have anything else? Should we wrap no, it up and get to our guest? wrap it up get to our guest. The only one other note that I have written down here, just real quick, is that the new O-line combination with Allie out worked a lot better than the first yeah, try. It certainly did. Uh, so, let's give some quick props to A.Q. Shipley for stepping mm-hmm. in at center. Mm-hmm. Ryan Jensen for sliding. He played really well. He played really, really Which well. Which one, Shipley or Jensen? Both, but I mean, well, um, but Jensen, Jensen sliding played over. Played well at left guard. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so you got um, – that worked out. And now Ali Marpet starts the week. He's mm-hmm. still in the concussion protocol. Yeah, when he comes back, he will play. Yeah. There's no – Oh, yeah, this isn't a replacement thing. No, not at all. This this was – this was we got a next man up. What do we need to do to move people around to protect our yeah. quarterback? And uh, since it worked, I'm sure we'll see it again yeah. if Ali can't play this week. And it's nice to know you have – Sure. That, that option and, and the ability to still stay strong. And don't forget, you know, they don't have a bye week until almost December. Well, it will be December. The bye week is we got two more, 12, two more games to go. And yeah. Get a bye week. Yeah. That'll be weird having a bye week that late. I know. It'll be fun. It'll be yeah. great. Mm. All right, Jeff, let's right. get to our guest. I'm excited let's, about this. Let's do it. He, this is a guy that we usually see on a daily basis, but we haven't seen him in a long time. And who is it? It's Director of Football Administration. Mike Greenberg. Greenie's coming As up As we next. would call him, not the other Greenberg, Mike Greenberg. No, he is the Mike Greenberg. Yeah, he's the famous one. And then there's the other Mike Greenberg that works yeah. for ESPN. All right, yeah. let's get to him, he's and then we'll get, we'll get to fans' questions at the end. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast, and for the first time in a couple weeks, we have a guest, and we're very happy that that guest has agreed to join us, and that's Director of Football Administration. Some call him the cap guru, Mike Greenberg. Hey, Mike, thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on. I'm See, we, talked about, we talked about you last week, Mike, and I told Scott that we were going to get you on one way or another. So let's begin that, first of all, uh, The Athletic named you uh, one of the 40 under 40s, and then the Tampa Sports Journal comes out with 40 under 40. Pretty cool stuff. So how does one, other than being under 40, become I <laughs> know uh, it, it was uh, definitely definitely an honor to be on uh, both the list and appreciate it and um, uh, you, I know that the uh, Tampa uh, was uh, I, I believe based upon um, some of my peers at the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers nominating me so that you know definitely definitely mm-hmm. uh, meant a lot to me and um, and there was an application po- process that you had to fill out and, and kind of go through and, and submit uh, to be considered so it was uh, great to be considered by uh, the Buccaneers, and it was great for them to nominate me and definitely, uh, definitely really appreciate it. I think that is all very, very cool. You've been around for about 11 years with the Buck organization, so Scott and I both have known you with that period of time, but the bigger question I have is, how are you in your high school Hall of Fame? I guess they ran out of people and got desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it for athletics? What was it for? Um, so I, I believe it's basically a combination of uh, really it's, it's kind of your career after uh, you leave there. But I did, I was a pretty decent high school athlete. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I did pretty well there. 
Um, <laughs> I, I played soccer, baseball, basketball there, but it really has to do more with uh, your career afterwards as opposed to uh, your athletic, uh, what you did athletically uh, when, when you were there. Mike, we've talked a lot this season, obviously, with anybody, and everybody's talked about how the NFL players and coaches in particular operate during a pandemic. Obviously, there's been a huge amount of changes, I'm sure. I want to know what that's been like for you in, in your position. I imagine the biggest positive is you don't have me sneaking around your office trying to get information every, every day. I, I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you both every, you know, every day, and that's, uh, that's been the uh, hardest adjustment. You miss uh, seeing people that you've worked with for all these years and uh, you get used to kind of popping into each other's office and, uh, you know, catching up. And I uh, just feel like I haven't seen a lot of people at the organization in a while. So uh, that's, that's been, um, you know, tough. And then we miss you guys, uh, seeing you guys every day, but it has definitely been uh, interesting and a process to work through. Uh, the biggest thing is that it's continuously changing. You know, the league I think has done a really great job of, Kind of setting the parameters but even the parameters that they set back in may and june and july those aren't really in place anymore because as we learn more about uh coronavirus and how it spreads and and the risks and it's just been an ongoing uh constantly changing process so just when you kind of feel like you have uh, a good feel in all the rules um something will happen and it'll trigger a few more rules uh, that we got to kind of adapt to. And that's, that's been a little bit uh, challenging, but, you know, it's been challenging for everybody. Uh, so I, I, just before I got on this uh, podcast, I got a call from the league, just kind of asking a few questions. And I know that they're kind of looking at making some more adjustments here in the next coming weeks. So it's just a constantly changing process uh, that we had to have to adapt to, but so does everybody. One thing you probably don't know the answer to yet either is <clears throat> what the salary cap is going to look like next year and in the years to come. And I certainly wouldn't ask you for specifics on plans and salaries and all that and uh, where you where the bucks stand and where they think they'll stand. But just in a general sense, how hard do you think it's going to be for teams to adjust to this unknown landscape? It's definitely something that teams are trying to project and come up with a few different um, scenarios and, and how they kind of you could see already from how teams have done some deals this year, planning on not really knowing where the cap is or, you know, assuming the cap's going to be much lower uh, next year than uh, we originally projected. It's definitely going to be challenging. I don't think anyone really knows for sure where it's going to be. I think it, a lot has to do with how this year finishes out and whether next year uh, they're going to, we're going to have fans in the stands and, and we're going to be able to return to kind of some sense of normalcy. So I think, it's a little too far out to kind of really project like here's where we're going to be, but you got to start thinking about different scenarios and considering different aspects. If uh, it does uh, decrease and we are a lot lower than we are this year. So what that does is that throws out your future thoughts of years down the road. In other, you know, is that, is that what you're Or does it matter? Contingency plans. Yeah. 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 Just have to have some contingency plans and uh, there's always ways to kind of, structure certain deals where you kind of can push things down the road a little bit. But I always kind of tell people the cap is, it's really like a bank. Uh, you can borrow cap room and borrow money for future years, but you're always going to have to pay it back eventually. And so you really can't, you don't want to get uh, in a position where you're borrowing too much from future years to kind of make room for the present. And then you find yourself in a situation in future years where you really don't have the flexibility and you're, uh, 
cap charges, uh, what you, the room you have is, is down. So you want to be cognizant of, of that and not push too many charges out in the future years. So that's uh, always a balancing act um, and something I think teams are going to really have to uh, do a good job of next year if they want to kind of continue to spend uh, at the rate that, that that teams have been spending at. Yeah, Buccaneer fans should probably be aware that that balancing act and the fact that the Buccaneers haven't really gotten into bad situations with the cap or you know, look like they will in the future, a lot of that is is credited to you. And uh, I'm sure that wasn't easy, but you, you've come up with a pretty good system, it seems like. I, I appreciate it. And I can't, not, not totally me, you know, just sitting down with ownership and, and Jason and, and kind of taking a look at the big picture and, and seeing what we want to do and, and coming up with a way that we think makes sense on how to structure the deals. And we always are looking to the future. We're always looking at uh, two, three, four years down the road. And so it's always something that we're kind of looking at a, a few years at a time. And we've been fortunate to be able to, to kind of structure some of the deals we have uh, with, with, with that kind of goal in mind, just to continue to look down the road for a few years. Do you spend majority of your time working on the cap because you have so many other responsibilities? No, in a normal year, I'd say yes. <laughs> in this year, uh, it's been kind of heavily uh, rule and COVID oriented. Um, when we get into the season, there's a lot of uh, the player personnel roles are always a bit challenging to begin with, uh, just in terms of putting a guy, when you put a guy in IR, or PUP, uh, when you sign a guy, you know, Tuesday at four is, is the deadline for each week. So a lot of my job during the season has to do with a lot of the roster transactions, uh, practice squad, bringing guys up. But this year, more than any, just all the COVID rules and uh, the uh, elevation of the practice squad, those have kind of created an additional uh, challenge and just something that uh, I've spent a lot of time with, with a lot of those roles. Speaking of a challenge, let's look back a little bit. And Buccaneer fans that are happy that their team got Tom Brady, uh, kept JPP, kept Shaq, kept Indomitian Sue, got Rob Gronkowski, later added LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, able to do all of those things. Uh, and I know you started the, the offseason with a decent amount of cap space, but that couldn't have been easy to make all of that work. How much of, of jumping through hoops was there to, make, to fit that all together? No, it's definitely, uh, as we you know, we get more, as we get better and get more guys that we want to keep and, and, and guys that we want to sign to extensions, it's, it definitely has become a lot trickier. Uh, the goal going into the offseason, obviously, was kind of keep some of those key defensive players that you mentioned, JPP, Shaq, uh, Nunez Rochez, who's played a, a, a big um, yeah. big part of the year, Sue. So uh, able to kind of keep some of those guys. And then, obviously, we added a lot of pieces on offense with, with Brady and Gronkowski. Um, and then you want to leave some flexibility when if a guy like Fournette and Antonio Brown come available later on, you always want to kind of leave yourself a little bit of uh, flexibility to, to add pieces as you go along. But uh, what we do is really we sit down with the, with the scouting staff and, and Rob McCartney and John Spitek and uh, Jason and, and going into the off season, we kind of put together a whole plan and um, we try and stick to it. And, but there's going to be things that happen uh, that guys that we lose that we didn't think we'd lose or guys we were able to get and you got to kind of adjust. Um, as you go, but it's uh, a lot of uh, collaboration between, you know, people in, in the personnel uh, office just to kind of work together and make sure we have a plan, we feel good about it, and we're able to adjust as we go. You know, when you talk about adjusting, uh, if you see someone that the coaches want, the head coach wants, <laughs> it, it, how does that process work? I mean, can you walk us through it without divulging too many secrets? Well, I think uh, – 
what's unique about Jason and Coach Arians, um, and I've been through a lot of coaches and GMs, and I think they have as good of a relationship, probably the best relationship between a GM and a head coach that I've been a part of, and it's a special and unique relationship. And what's great about that is there's no real decisions that the, that they don't make collectively together. Um, so if you know a player becomes available that Coach Arians likes or has coached in the past, and him and Jason are just constantly talking. Uh, so it's, it's not something that just comes out of nowhere. It, it's always something that they've been talking about and they've always, uh, they talk constantly about players that may be available and uh, if they can get them. And it, it, so if a guy does become available, it's, it's not like a scramble. It's, it's just a constant conversation. And I think that uh, attributes to basically their, their relationship and how they continuously meet and continuously go over our, our ways to improve the roster. And, and I think that's a, a big help for us because we're never not prepared if, if the guy does become uh, available. Hey, Mike, um, you said it's, uh, it's a, a shame that we can't come by your office and, you know, there's no <laughs> connection between the tiers this year. But in addition, that means that Jeff and I, for example, have not ever even met Jackie Davidson, uh, <laughs> who's added to the staff this year. Could you tell us a little bit about her, kind of what she does, but also why the Bucks wanted her? Yep. Yep. So I actually had the pleasure of being Jackie's intern at uh, the Jets in 2008, nine, right around then, actually twice. Um, and I learned a tremendous amount from Jackie. I, I, Jackie's wildly intelligent. Um, she has a background, a legal background, uh, did was the director of football admin for the Jets uh, for a, a few years. And then um, we're fortunate enough to, to get her and bring her here. She has a very strong analytics background. Um, stronger than I have in that area. So she offers kind of a different uh, outlook and uh, to kind of analyzing contracts and then also being able to work with the scouts and the coaching staff from that standpoint. But then obviously how, you know, helps uh, me with, with the player contracts and salary cap. And um, it's been, um, we, we look and analyze deals very, very similar, mostly because I learned from her. Yeah. So we have a similar outlook. So it's been nice to just kind of bounce ideas off each other and, uh, it's been fun uh, just getting to work together again because it's been a while and we've always had uh, a, a great friendship, but it, it's been great having her here. And she offers, um, you know, something different that we haven't had uh, here before. And that's the uh, kind of analytical uh, view on contracts. But then again, also on um, from a, a, a scouting standpoint and the coaching and what also makes her unique is with a lot of the coaches, uh, you know, to get them to really buy into to some of the analytical standpoint, um, it, it has to be there has to be a relationship there too. And, and Jackie worked with uh, most of our defensive staff at, at the Jets uh, from Todd Bowles on down. So it's been great. Um, her relationship with with the coaches too is, is makes her a perfect fit for this role too because she can kind of hit the ground running. Wow. Well, Mike, uh, we've already used more time than we yeah. said we were gonna. So we appreciate that. But if you don't mind, I got one more question for you. And then I have one after you. Okay. Can we do that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> one each? Okay. Yeah, of course. This is about a, a new rule pretty recently, and I, I'm not 100% sure that it's completely finalized, but I think it is that if a team um, develops a minority coach or executive that is then hired to be a head coach or a GM, that there'll be draft pick compensation to the team that developed that person. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that finalized? And if so, what do you think about that? I, you know, I'm not sure if it's finalized. I know it's been proposed. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, it, you know, it's a really great role. Um, I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to 
be around a lot of great minority uh, coaches through my years here. Uh, and I, you know, I think, I think it, it's a great role if it, if it kind of develops um, some of the minority candidates and they get an option, uh, you know, an opportunity to be head coaches uh, or, or GMs. I, I think it, I think it's a great role. So I, I'm not quite sure if it's passed yet or at what stage it's at, but um, it's, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a great step forward. And my, and my final question is really an in-depth question. I'm just curious. <laughs> Are you any good at fantasy football? No. <laughs> you know what? No. Um, Maybe I if there's a first. salary. You need to get into no. a salary cap league. I just, no, I'm just, because because you're dealing with all of this stuff. I, I'm not a fantasy football guy, but Scott, Scott loves it. But, but I, I'm just curious. My sister, of all people, gets very upset with me when she calls me for advice on who to take. And <laughs> I, I look at – first, I can't take anyone. I don't want to – don't take anyone in the NFC South. Um, I I said, I don't want you uh, sitting there rooting for Drew Brees when we play uh, the Saints. And um, she gets mad at me because uh, I, she tells me my fantasy advice is lousy. So apparently I'm not, not very good at uh, fantasy football. Well, like I said, you should get into a salary cap league. That that might help. That might help. (laughs) Well, Mike, uh, we we appreciate your time. We know everybody's busy uh, every day during the season. So thanks for giving us some of your time. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here with the Salty Dogs for your last segment, or uh, our last segment. That was good seeing Greeny. That was good seeing it is, His uh, quarantine beard looks good. Yeah, he's very stylish. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. It was almost kind of surreal seeing him, though, because <laughs> I haven't seen him. In his office. Yeah, I haven't seen him. In like I was joking around with, it was basically a daily basis that I'd find some point to swing back there and ask him some kind of question. You can learn a lot from that office. No well, question. there's sometimes there's stuff written on the board that that you're like, oh, you're not supposed to not say that you are. <laughs> you're not supposed to I don't say use that. It. So I I, he didn't have his camera pointed towards any of the boards. No, I noticed that. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah, Cap absolutely deserves all the credit I yep. was trying to give him, and he was trying to de- deflect some of it, but. Mm. Um, that guy has really figured out how to make the cap work in the NFL. And, you know, it's crazy. It's it's hard to believe he's been here 11 seasons. It just seemed like yesterday. And uh, I am now lo- very much looking forward to meeting Jackie Davidson. Me too. Um, and that seems like a really, really quality hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and another woman working in a prominent yeah. spot here, so that's a very good thing. In the front office. I like it. Okay. All righty. All righty. So let's get to Hopefully the questions. we'll get to uh, pat Mike on the back at some point. Rather All right. Okay. First question, Salty Dogs, longtime listener, first question this year. This one might make you think. Oh, oh, they all make me think. Yeah, all right. Who is one player from Bucks past, parentheses, able to play at the same level intensity they did when they played that could make a difference on the team today? Also, Jeff, I picked up AB but didn't play him. Thank goodness. <laughs> LOL. Kent Denny, he's from here in Tampa. And a little tag at the end said, it's okay to be different. I don't know if that was aimed at you or me, or it's just a tag he always uses. What do you mean? After his sign- sign-off, there's a little, it's okay to be different. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's trying to tell us something. Okay. I already knew that. All right. It's a good thing. Sure. That it is okay. It is. Because you're different. <clears throat> totally. So you, you get to, I think we've done exercises similar to this in the past. Last week we were talking about which person we'd like to interview. Yeah. But you take somebody from the Bucks past and put him on the team now, and you're, you're assuming you get the guy as he was then. 
Oh, well, Leroy Selman. You, you tend to go for Leroy sure, Selman. Sure, you'd have to. You'd have to. It's good to pick. You made a good pick for one thing because you got to play this game right because you got to pick a guy. Like, sure, it'd be okay. great. Could he help this team? Yeah. Sure, it'd be great to pick. Well, you would think any of our star players from the past could help this team. I mean, couldn't, couldn't uh, 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 Joey Galloway help this team? Mm. But you're already kind of loaded every Yeah, season, yeah. So where do you fit him in? Yeah. You, you, he'd be, so yeah. you don't pick a guy like Joey Galloway or Kevin House no. or Vincent Jackson. Sure. And you don't pick a quarterback, no matter no. how much you might like one. And you really don't. There's not a long list of offensive linemen that would help mm. that would be better than what you got. Have Paul Gruber. I was going to say, you could put yeah, Paul, Paul Gruber, Gruber in there. Groobs Grub, would help. Uh, so, but you did a good job by picking a guy that you can add him to what you already have, and that really doesn't diminish what you, you're getting from Shaq and JPP. Not it's at all. Just more. He'd probably take away a lot of Anthony Nelson snaps, but he would give you three awesome edge rushers. Sure. Along the same lines, I would probably my first pick would probably be Warren Sapp. Yeah. Um, because as great as those guys, as great as those guys are playing in there, uh, and Dominican Sue is is uh, deservedly getting a lot of. Praise and, sure. and Will Golston remains very underrated this yeah, season. No question. And Nacho stepped up very well with Vita Veo. So, yeah. but you could still put a guy in yeah. there in your rotation. You could easily get Sap on the field a lot, and then you would have a guy that's providing you a lot of interior pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we don't. We're not getting a ton of. We're getting some. I mean, Will Golston and Sue have had a number of quarterback hits. But um, if you could add in a guy that could maybe get you 10 sacks to what we already have. And we're how, second in the league in sacks. So. How, what, what do you think if you added Rondé Barber? What do you think? I was going to also put him in. And all we're basically doing is listing the greatest players in team history. Well, but but they also fit. Rondé Barber could play your – he would probably take snaps away from Sean Murphy Bunting because right. he could play in the corner. He was the absolute master of playing the slot corner. No, I don't want Rondé Barber in his second year. I want Rondé, you know. About four or five years <laughs> yes, in. Yes, He was starting to get good in his second year. Yeah, he was. We, all, we always used to tease him because, you know, it took a long time to get on the field. But well, He only played one game as a rookie yes. until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Rondé would be a good choice, absolutely. Like, probably the best player in team history is Derek Brooks. No question. Um uh, well, I'm sure there are people who would say Leroy and maybe some Sap. Yeah. But I think probably Derek probably earns the top spot. But you only have two inside linebackers in this scheme. He wasn't really a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you already have Levante David and Devin White. I'm not saying Derek Brooks isn't better than those guys, at least now. Right. Who knows what by the end of their careers. But that's, that's an well, upgrade. He made it to the Hall of Fame. so he, That's an upgrade yeah, yeah. Over, over just about any linebacker on any sure. team. But you're already pretty good there. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably go Sap first. You might go Leroy first. Right. We also think Rondé and Paul Gruber could help. Sure. Right. I think we this... don't really need we don't really need Jimmy Giles. No. Uh, no. We don't need a receiver. Don't don't really need a running back. And it's back. not a knock on any players. It's looking at our current, current team roster. now and who could you take from yeah. the past and plug in. Mike also would be fun, but we really don't use a fullback very much. No. And no. he was really more of a tailback anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's all of that, right? Yeah. So those are our answers. I like it. That is good. And remember, good question. Jeff, it's okay to be different. That was a different question, and I liked it. Thank you. Okay, question number two. Question number two. Uh, and it's a, another another one from the United Kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. Hi there, Salty Dogs. Hey. It's it's Keith Manlove who we had a question from last week. He's okay. been helping the explain cause? why these why some why somebody over there would pick a certain NFL. Team. Okay. Remember, he did because yeah. he came over here a lot. Right. And I brought it up because the bus driver told yeah, me over there that they do it, it because of colors. But Look, looking, continue. Yeah, he will have a question at the end. And a little more insight into the way us mm. Brits choose their team. A lot of it is to do with the football team, soccer, 
dash, let's not have that argument yeah. that we support. Okay, so okay. he's saying football, in, but he's talking sure. about soccer at this point. Uh, maybe the colors with a U are the same, e.g. that bus driver uh-huh. may have been a Watford fan who play in orange and black. Oh. My colleague at work is a Derby County fan. Their nickname is the Rams, so he has always followed them. I like it. I like it. I like to cheer for the little guy, so when I first started following the game, it was either the Bucks or the Bills. I suppose that would make me a salty underdog. Oh. Crying laughing emoji. <laughs> I don't know if that joke was good enough to get the crying laughing emoji. No, but you reading it and saying crying laughing emoji <laughs> made me laugh. I didn't I didn't put in the winking emoji after no, the soccer you thing. My question is, what do you think about the roughing the passer rule? I couldn't see what Kevin Minter could have done on Sunday apart from just let Teddy throw the ball. No. If he had lowered his head and hit him with the crown of the helmet, I would have understand the call, but face mask to face mask to face mask? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Looking forward to another all nighter next Monday. Let's hope it's more enjoyable than the last one, Keith Mayloff. Keith, uh, you, you can't you can't do helmet to helmet. You're you're never gonna. It, you just can't. He needed to keep. He he actually, if he had put his head down, he would have caught him with his shoulder. Okay, I think the issue here is that intent doesn't come into it. Okay. The the, the that's why he got flagged. The the refs are not trying to judge intent because and I think what he's saying, and I agree with this, is Keith was coming in directly with his shoulders towards Teddy's. Chest. Teddy sees him at the last minute and instinctively ducks a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when he ducks, now Keith it's, thought he was going to hit him in the chest, and he ends up without changing anything, ends, hits him, and they make some helmet to helmet contact. Right. I have a problem with that rule. I think that intent should be considered, and that that rule should be that's a re, that's a play that should be reviewable. Roughing the passer should be reviewable. And if you can determine that that would not have occurred if the defensive player had not changed the target at the last, the offensive player had not changed the target at the last minute, then it wasn't intent. I know they want to take all those hits out of the game, sure. but calling that flag is not taking that hit out of the no. game because Kevin Minder didn't do anything. I see wrong. what you say. Yeah, <clears throat> that play is always going to be there. It's just a question of whether it's you a penalty or not. Yeah, you can't. You can. You can take away like yeah. when they had the misguided few weeks at the beginning of sure. last season or the season before when. Every time a guy landed yeah. slightly on the guy, they threw the penalty because they were trying to emphasize don't land on mm-hmm. him. And so guys started changing how they were doing it and rolling off. And that's fine. You're changing the behavior and sure. you're taking that out of the game. That rule can change your behavior. Penalizing Kevin Minter for that play is not going to take that play out of the game because he didn't have any idea that was going to happen. Yeah, you're he didn't ducking down, him. you're lowering. Yeah. He didn't try to hit him with his helmet, yeah. and he didn't target the uh, other guy's helmet. Uh, it just explana- happened. Good explanation. But yes. since the NFL specifically says intent doesn't matter, then they don't ever – it doesn't matter. He, he is guilty of that penalty. Yeah. Just simply because their helmets made contact, he gets that call. Sure. <clears throat> And the NFL isn't then going to say to the referee when they review it, you got that wrong. Right. He's not going to tell no, me that No, 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 no. So it's never going to happen. I don't say this because I think it's going to happen, but I think that play, roughing the passer, should be reviewable and intent should be considered, and it should be considered whether the defender was really at fault for that happening. Right. If, if anything, if, in, if every helmet-to-helmet situation or any kind of hitting the guy in the helmet – if the defender was the reason that that happened, he absolutely should get flagged. Mm-hmm. But Kevin was aimed at the chest and then, not purposely, but Teddy saw him flinched, head came down, now it's helmet to helmet, without Kevin having any chance of avoiding that. I don't understand why you should get penalized for that. It doesn't change behavior, and no. it doesn't repudiate something that the defender shouldn't have done. Hmm. And you can't go much lower, Jeff, because you can't hit the quarterback no, low. No, no. 
No. No, he, I, I, good explanation. Do you know he? that I, was the only defensive snap he played that whole game? Yeah. I'm like, why was Kevin Minter even on the field? They, they must have had something special about Someone had to take a breather. No. Nope. Devin White and, and Levante both played all the plays. Huh. I looked at that, so I'm like, well, they must have had a special package, and it worked. And, and it worked. We should use yeah. that one again. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Pretty cool, huh? All right. Good question. All right. One more. All right. Good afternoon, dogs. How does he know we're, we're going to be doing this in the afternoon? Well, because we usually we say it's eh, I guess that's true. afternoon. It wouldn't be we, have we ever done it in the morning? I don't think we ever no. have. <laughs> so, and we don't do it at night. No, so okay. afternoon right. works. That's fair. All right. This is my first time writing in. I hope I remembered the email address right. If you're reading this, I guess I did. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's not that hard true. to remember, by the way. It's saltydogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Send yeah. us your questions. Send us so your questions. short. It's easy to remember. <laughs> That's because of that dot NFL in the middle. I of it. know. I wanted to ask you. Actually, about the dot in, the dot <laughs> NFL makes it sound really cool when someone says, "What's your email?" You go, yeah, "Oh, it's." You kind of have know, to do it really slowly, yeah. though. Yeah, Buccaneers. Don't forget the dot, dot NFL. NFL.com. I don't like it. All right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Scotty Miller. He had some big games early on and really seemed to have a good connection with Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've seen much of him the last couple of weeks. Is he simply losing snaps to Antonio Brown? Can the Bucks find a way to get him more involved again? I kind of like him, and I'm hoping he stays a Buck for a long time and kind of develops the way Adam Humphreys did. Anyway, thanks and go Bucks, Gerald Smith. Uh, Smith. He was on a couple plays. He, he was, was on for nine a, plays. Yeah, okay. I think it's probably fair to say he's lost some snaps to sure. Antonio Brown. Well, someone is. If you add another guy, you know, it's going to happen. I don't think that we've seen the end of Scotty being an important part of the offense. And, and Scotty hasn't been at full 100%. Very true. I was going to bring that up. Scotty has been on the injury report with both hip and groin injuries for at least five weeks in a row. And, and listen, if you if you pulled your groin, let me tell you what, that is never right. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, it takes a while to. He'll be right he probably won't be right during the season. Yeah, probably April. You know, without any running around. Yeah. Yeah. And until recently, he's never even fully practiced. The last couple of weeks, he's fully practiced on yeah. Fridays, so he's clearly dealing with that. Um, and you got AB. Sure. And he is a good player. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he's probably – now, the first game that A.B. was back, Scotty was on the field for 19 of only like 47 plays. So that was still a pretty good amount, mm-hmm. close to what he was already getting. Some of that, though, was in four receiver sets, and we didn't we didn't use any four receiver sets in this last game. None. Really? So uh, – and we had for about a dozen snaps each in the previous two games. So, like I said earlier, it was a bit of a change going back towards more two tight end stuff. Um, and you got a lot of good tight ends, so that makes sense, even with O.J. out. So I, I think you have not seen uh, – you yeah, he he could continue to lose some snaps to Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. I think, and to the second tight end. Uh, but before this season is over, he's going to make some more big Scotty players. Scotty Miller's not going anywhere. And and maybe playing a little less will help him feel a little bit better, get closer to 100%. Hey, listen, you're going to need all these horses in the next six to eight weeks. Yeah, right. The only thing I would say is that I don't think – I don't – think we should compare him to Adam Humphreys. They're not the same type of player. No. Adam Adam was a slot guy and a uh, a guy you like to throw screen passes to. And over the course of his time here, he really – I know they're both not the tallest receivers in the world, but Adam was pretty yoked up. Yep. And Scotty's a little slighter, right? And I mean, Scotty's still, fast. Scotty's much, much faster. Mm-hmm. So they're not the same type of player and they're not used the same way in our offense. But, yeah, it'd be nice to see him – you know, Adam kept getting better and better every year. His stats go up every year, yeah. and then he paid off in a big contract. Sure. So, 
All right, that's all I got, Jeff. All right, that was pretty good. That was, wow, we just nailed it. We're a little longer than normal. So well, we got the lot. interview in the middle. Yeah, you got it. That was well worth it, though. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was fun. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to Monday night. I <laughs> hope we're still feeling good on Tuesday. We will. Let's see how salty we are next Tuesday. Okay. And since you did, thanks for listening.